Welcome to the discussion, Network Modernization for Federal Agencies, sponsored by Siena Government Solutions and Comcast Government Services. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Jeff Fowler, the Chief Information Officer at the Bureau of Intelligence and Research at the Department of State, Rodney Alto, the Director of Global Infrastructure Office at the Central Intelligence Agency, Andy Gomer, a highly qualified expert focused on transport with the Defense Information Systems Agency, Jim Westdorp, the Chief Technologist at Siena Government Solutions, and Colin Gosnell, the Head of Solution Engineering at Comcast Government Services. Gentlemen, welcome to the discussion. Let me set a little context for our discussion today. For every agency, the network is the heart that pumps the data to the system to make the systems and applications run smoothly. Everyone likes to say data is the new oil, but if the network isn't finely tuned, if it can't handle the ever-increasing amounts of information, or if it's stuck using old technology, then the oil, if you will, will remain stuck in the ground. Without a doubt, agencies who had modernized their networks fared better than those who didn't over the last few months of the pandemic. Agencies need to consider the, those lessons learned from the coronavirus pandemic and how to apply them over the next six months or even the next six years. This means understanding how the as-a-service and hybrid cloud models work and helps ensure that you are prepared for future surges and declines in services. And then the modernized network will also play a key role in securing data and applications. This is another one of those benefits, if you will, that can't be overlooked or undervalued. In 2019, the Federal CIO Council released a white paper about the future of federal network or what the future of federal networks would look like. In 2019, the Federal CIO Council released a white paper about what the future of federal networks could look like. The council said network modernization will be at the heart of the new digital economy and tomorrow's government. The paper highlights the need for networks to handle emerging technologies such as AI, machine learning, new industrial sensors, the proliferation of Internet of Things devices, and the rise of the mobile workforce. And of course, all of the expected implementation of 5G mobile networks, which will fundamentally change mobile and computing to the edge, increasing the adoption of things like software-defined wide area networks, SD-WAN, and that will help change the way networks are managed and operated. So how to prepare, make sure their networks thrive? Well. That's where our guests come in. Once again, my guests are Jeff Fowler. Jeff Fowler, the Chief Information Officer at the Bureau of Intelligence and Research at the Department of State. Rodney Alto, the Director of Global Infrastructure Office at the CIA. Andy Gomer, a highly qualified expert focused on transport at the Defense Information Systems Agency. Jim Westorp, the Chief Technologist at Siena Government Solutions. And Colin Gosnell, the Head of Solution Engineering at Comcast Government Services. I opened up a big door. I'm going to ask uh, Rodney to jump to walk through it to start us off. The the current state of your network at the CIA, the architecture behind it. I know things may be a little sensitive, but uh, just give us a sense. W where is the CIA today? How's your network looking today, and how will it look in the future? Jason, good morning. Uh, the CIA has a network with global reach and capacity that today is focused on three topic areas: resiliency. In our business, network outages are not tolerated as policymakers, our IC partners, and our warfighters depend upon the information CIA must deliver 24 by 7 by 365. So resiliency is incredibly important. Security, our networks deploy the highest security standards available, and then we build upon those security standards to make sure our networks are secure all the time. And, and finally, mobility. Our networks are built to be agile in response to our mission demand, and we need our networks to go where mission is anywhere at any time. So those are the three primary topic areas from, from where we're focused on today at CIA. So you hit upon a bunch of keywords, resiliency, we saw that during the pandemic, security again, and then mobility. From an, I know from an architecture standpoint, without getting into the nitty gritty too much, this is something that CIA has been working on for, for I know, the last eight, 10 years, really getting you to this point. I mean, that's, it's from where you are today, from where you were eight, 10 years ago, things obviously are much different. Yeah, Jason, I, I think that's fair. I, I would argue that in our business space, um, resiliency is driving how we operate every day. Um, I think from a 9-11 forward, the need to provide policymakers with timely and relevant information that could address the CT issues that we were dealing with are incredibly important. So how we orchestrate and architect our network um, to deliver that always on, always available environment has been one of our key precepts that we've been working on for, for a number of years at CIA. 
Rodney brings up this idea of timely and relevant information. That's more, that's just as important for the CIA as it is for the Defense Department. Let me bring in Andy Gomer from DISA. Andy, talk a little bit about what DISA has done over the last few years to really upgrade and re-architect your network. Thanks, Jason. Uh, we've done quite a bit in the last few years to upgrade and fix our network. Uh, our network was, uh, we own the fiber optic backbone throughout the country, uh, 40 links throughout the entire country. It was always at uh, 10 gigabits. In the last three years, we've upgraded those 10 gigabit links to 100 gigabit. That's 88 waves. We own the fiber. We light the fiber with Sienna boxes. It's 88 waves of 100 gig. So now we've got lots of bandwidth on our network. We actually have three links left to do, which we're going to finish up this year and early next year. That means our network will be at 100 gig. Now, if our network's at 100 gig, the exit points should be at that speed as well. So the internet access points are only at 10 but we've upgraded them in the last four months to 18 gig going to, going to 30 and then 40 in the next four, four to six months. So that'll fix our internet access points. The biggest problem we're gonna have is the cloud access. Everyone wants to go to cloud, everyone wants to go to cloud. We can't handle the cloud currently. Right now we are at uh, two 10 gigs at two sites, which gives us 40 gig to go out to the cloud. However, we have put in new leases that are in place now. We should be able to move over to them in the next two months to 800 gig. So we have, right now we have San Jose and we have Ashburn. We're gonna have San Jose, Ashburn, Dallas, and Chicago. So we're gonna add two more links and we're gonna have each of them 100 gigabit attached, which means we're gonna have now 800 gig opposed to the 40 gig we have now. That's gonna help for the next year. However, in the next six months, we're actually gonna buy fiber leases, which means we're gonna have up to 88 waves of 100 gig to those cloud access points. And we're gonna add more co-location centers uh, from other firms, uh, like getting to uh, uh, LA and getting to uh, One Wilshire, which is a very big uh, landing point for a lot of overseas cables. And we tend to put more of our backbone, more of our infrastructure to these data centers. For instance, right now, if I'm gonna upgrade a base with uh, new power, it can take me six months. If I want to upgrade a data center with new power, it takes me two days. So the idea of moving our internet access points, security stacks, cloud access points to these co-location centers like Equinix, like DataBank, like CoLogix, things like that, is where we're going to head. That's the future of DISA, and that's how we're going to survive uh, the next years to come. You offered a lot of data there just from different 10G to 100G, 88 waves, 100 gigabyte. Basically, all this is to get more, bigger pipes, more bandwidth, make sure that servicemen and women and civilians can access data applications at the edge. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Make sure the network can handle all the needs. That's correct, Jason. If we're going to um, stay at home, work from home, if we're going to put everything in the cloud, if we're going to utilize these new resources, use zero trust networking, software defined networking, and use these new technologies, we need more bandwidth to do it. I have one gigabit in my house. There are whole buildings on bases that only have 45 megabits to the whole building. So we have to upgrade all these facilities so we don't have these issues. Their bandwidth cannot be an issue. It's too inexpensive now. You have to be able to get all the bandwidth you want whenever you need it. And I'm sure that Rodney can agree with me that he can't afford to be slow. We can't afford to be latent. Diversity is very important, but so is bandwidth. You cannot be short. You have to have all the bandwidth you need. This video bandwidth is, it's, it's very intrusive. You, ha you need a lot of bandwidth. We cannot have, I don't want the mission to fail because I didn't give the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Air Force or the Marines or the Army enough bandwidth to do their job. I think that's a great point. Uh, bandwidth, we can't afford to be slow. Uh, let me bring in Jeff from State Department. You have the very similar challenge as the CIA, a very similar challenge as the DOD when it comes to ensuring there's enough bandwidth because of how the State Department's located across the, the world. Give me a sense of your network architecture, your, your planning, your current state. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, I was thinking as Rodney answered the question a little bit earlier, I could say what he said. Uh, speed, access, reliability, those are critical, of course. Uh, just like uh, the CIA, just like DISA, 
uh, the Department of State is a, a global multinational. I'm thinking about our colleagues from uh, private industry here. I think the truth is, is that whether you're thinking about the bottom line or you're thinking about national security, running a 24 by seven uh, operation, trying to have 100% uptime, uh, that's, that's quite a reach. About seven years ago, uh, the department began a little bit of a journey, uh, the Bureau of Intelligence and Research in particular, uh, moving from sort of the old way of doing business with thick and thin client uh, to a more virtualized structure. Uh, we're doing zero clients now. We're not quite uh, to the cloud, uh, but that's our objective. Uh, Rodney had three items that he mentioned. Uh, I think the three for us at the department really are a strengthened foundation, reduced complexity, and advanced mission. Uh, everything that we do with our networks, everything we do with our capabilities is wrapped around those things. And, and it's pretty straightforward, right? You know, you have to have a strong foundation because if you don't build something, or if you don't have that strong foundation, it's the whole Monty Python experience, right? You build it and it collapses into the swamp. So you have to have that strong foundation. Uh, you know, reducing complexity, boy, we all know about complexity, particularly in the technical world. Uh, complexity eats you up. You have to keep things as simple and as clean as you can. Uh, and then that advancing mission is the, sort of the yin to the yang of complexity. You're going to have to introduce complexity because the mission needs it, uh, but you need to have the, the bandwidth in, in uh, the cases that Andy talked about. You need to have just the sort of the, the, the capacity within your institution to be able to, to respond to what those mission needs are. So those are our things. When you talk about the move to, uh, you know, thin client, zero client, that's the idea where uh, everyone's using a virtual desktop interface of sorts, or they, they don't have the big block under their desk anymore for, for not unclassified at least, right? Right. No, that's exactly right, Jason. And, and that's obviously when it comes to the network, that makes things easier because you're able to, again, we'll get into this maybe a little bit later, but push updates, push security, that's getting that's that first step toward that if you will i think what a lot of people see as as the future of sd-wan and other kind of software defined networking now that's that that again is absolutely right i mean it's about reducing that complexity making it easier to, to upgrade making it easier to push uh out uh, updates to the system uh and when there are problems and there always are uh, easier to correct them as well all right. Let me bring in the, the uh, our private sector folks, and let me start with Jim from uh, Siena. Jim, give me a sense of you're you're listening to to what Jeff and Rodney and Andy said. You're you're talking to clients. How does this? What are you seeing? What are you hearing from your clients? And, and react a little bit to what they're saying. Yeah, sure. Uh, appreciate the chance to comment. And uh, yeah, you know what what we've heard from you know CIA and state and, and DISA. Uh, that actually mirrors very well what we're seeing in the larger set of our, of our customer base. You know, most enterprises have the same sorts of problems associated with scale, with complexity, uh, with security. And, you know, Andy talked a little bit about the move from 10 gig to 100 gig, which we've been seeing really, that's actually been going on for the last uh, decade or so. And we're actually getting prepared for what we believe the, the next capacity migration is. It's still very early days. It's, you know, kind of like LTE to 5G, right? You know, it's going to be happening for the next decade. But, you know, what we think is going to be happening next from a capacity perspective is most folks have made the move from 10 gig to 100 gig. But now, especially between the large data centers, we're seeing the need to, to move beyond 100 gig to 400 gig. And actually, some of our wavelengths now are actually capable of supporting up to 800 gigs. So, you know, another between four and eight, you know, call it easy factor of 10 um, in terms of capacity increase on a given wavelength that we're now able to provide. And it's going to be seen uh, initially between data centers. Um, but it's also going to propagate uh, out towards the edge of the network and really, again, just, just respond to the need for the continuing demand for capacity in the networks. And so, uh, you know, Sienna as a, as a technology and network equipment provider is responding to that and, and providing uh, capabilities that are going to allow our, our service partners, uh, you know, like Comcast, like DISNA, and the major enterprise and agencies to, to upgrade their networks even further um, when the time comes. Uh, I'll also say that when we look at the network architectures and the things that are important in the network today, uh, we've certainly seen a move towards, uh, towards you know, more support for the data centers. Again, echoing what, what we've heard, uh, the data centers becoming more important. But an, another evolution that we're seeing is that uh, 
they're actually more data centers. We're seeing a move from, from you know, yes, the mega data centers, uh, you know, that the content service providers have come up with. Those, you know, those are there and, you know, you're hosting uh, Office 365 and, and the various, uh, you know, applications to service or, or, or you know, in, in the big cloud centers. But uh, particularly when we're talking about distributed computing and some of the missions which need capabilities closer to the edge, um, we're seeing more of the smaller data centers to respond to some of the needs for quick response time. Uh, so, so we're seeing, uh, seeing that. And uh, to Jeff's comment, I want to talk a little bit about complexity. And so as capacities have gotten higher, as the number of endpoints have gotten higher, um, as the number of services that we want to propagate and, and get, provide over the networks get larger and more complex, inherently the, the overall complexity of the network goes up. And we need as, as network providers, as, as a, you know, network equipment providers like Sienna, to provide a way to, to deal with that complexity so that it doesn't impact the end users. So there's a, there's a big push from our customers and, and you know, for us as a supplier as well to providing um, tools to manage that complexity. And, and what that means is various kinds of uh, automation tools uh, and orchestration tools that allow operators uh, to provide better services and more, more dynamic services for uh, for their users, but to do it in a way that that doesn't that doesn't scale with the network. You know, networks doubling, tripling in, in, in capacity, but can't afford to double and triple the amount of time and effort it takes uh, to to run that network. So uh, so those are those are some of the things that that, that we see playing out in the marketplace. All right, there's plenty to follow up with you, but let me bring in Colin from Comcast Business as well. I want to make sure you get you get a chance to talk here in this segment. Colin, give me a sense. Give me some reaction to, to what you've heard from our, our government guests. Sure. Uh, Jim uh, hit on a lot of the complexities that carriers are seeing today to meet uh, new requirements that are coming out of the federal government. So as a... Uh, as the government is looking to simplify their operational uh, structures within how they manage data between sites and between data centers, they're asking for their carriers to take on more of that responsibility for ensuring that data packets are reaching their final destination, both in just latency and point-to-point -point connectivities, but also in security and additional services on top of it, uh, to um, enable the missions to, to have that end-to-end -end uh, data flow and access to to information that they need to com to uh, to complete their uh, final mission. What Comcast does is we focus on the access elements, and this is one of the areas that is very complex when it comes to a network architecture. We leverage the access infrastructure that we have in place to enable that connectivity from the end site into those data center facilities or the larger architecture of an agency so that each individual location can act as a part of a whole throughout the entire network. And we address those complexities with the data flows and the data architecture that the agencies are needed using vendors such as Sienna to control the backplanes and the back office systems, monitoring devices, security elements that are required within those end-to-end -end connectivities. And just to give you an idea, in, in many ways, as a commercial entity, we've been down the path that the government agencies are starting to go to now. So from an infrastructure standpoint, a, a company the size of Comcast, we have almost 850,000 route miles of both coax and fiber optic cable that we manage in our network. Right, we're currently our backbone is transiting about 115 terabits uh, per second of data. So when we talk scale, your commercial vendors really are experienced in dealing with that scale and have the tools and the knowledge to do that. What we're trying to do within Comcast Government Services is we're trying to bring that expertise to the federal agencies so that we can help them define their end-to-end -end traffic flows and transition from the traditional TDM-based architectures that for, have been in place and are still in place in many of the networks and move to a more data-centric uh, architecture and, and data flow that both enhances their capabilities, increases their resiliency, and uh, also potentially reduces their costs. Um, and, and 
addressing all those is, of course, a very complex element. And it's, it's a case-by-case -case basis where we have to look at not just the infrastructure in place, the architecture of the end agency, but also the partners and the equipment that we leverage to meet the reporting and the requirements within that architecture. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break. There's plenty to follow up with everyone on, but when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion Network Modernization for Federal Agencies, sponsored by Siena Government Solutions and Comcast Government Services on Federal News Network. Comcast Government Services provide the network foundation agencies need to run bandwidth-intensive applications, enabled by Siena Packet Optical Hardware. Having the nation's largest gig-speed network and facilities-based last-mile alternative to the phone company, the Comcast network operates across their private, diverse infrastructure to assist federal agencies with optimizing their mission-critical data needs. Learn how Comcast and Siena can help your agency at business.comcast.com slash fedgov. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Network Modernization for Federal Agencies, sponsored by Siena Government Solutions and Comcast Government Services on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Jeff Fowler, the Chief Information Officer at the Bureau of Intelligence and Research at the Department of State, Rodney Alto, the Director of the Global Infrastructure Office at the CIA, Andy Gomer, a highly qualified expert focused on transport with the Defense Information Systems Agency, Jim Westorp, the Chief Technologist at Siena Government Solutions, and Colin Gosnell, the Head of Solutions Engineering at Comcast Government Services. We were talking about the future, the current state, the future state of networks when we, at the end of the last segment. Colin, let me bring you back in because one of the things that we've been also talking a lot about recently, you can't escape it, is the impact of the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic on agencies and, and businesses' networks. What is Comcast Government Services seen or has seen, continues to see, be with a surge in remote workers and teleworkers. Yes, Jason, thank you very much. So uh, Comcast as a general as a whole, being one of the largest IP providers in the country, has had to deal with the surge within the coronavirus uh, pandemic here over the last six months. Um, so we have about 31.5 million customers that are increasing demand across our network. What we're seeing is about a 32% increase in network traffic in the last six months and 36% in mobile data. So that's a huge increase in the total demand across the network and goes to how a network has to scale dynamically and quickly to meet this, this sudden onrush of traffic demand that we didn't see coming. Some of the elements that we see within the traffic, um, we're seeing 285% increase in VoIP and video calls. Uh, you know, this being a prime example of that increased demand. And that's, that's a large demand on a network in a service that requires some high SLAs and some high performance in order to meet the expectations of the end customer. Uh, we've also seen about a 40% increase in VPNs. So that leads on to the enterprises and the government agencies. They're starting to leverage our networks from a residential standpoint and, and from a business standpoint um, to, to reach their, their clients, their uh, employees, wherever they are within the operating network. Now Comcast sees this, and we're actually deploying some new products that help with businesses to enable their customers to work remote and to work in an environment that's not the traditional brick and mortar being at, at a corporate office type environment. So we're launching some products such as uh, Comcast Business Internet at Home, which is a dedicated internet connection that is separate from residential. It still operates over the same infrastructure, right? We talked about how, how dense an infrastructure Comcast is able to, to employ. But it enables the uh, employee, the business, to uh, provide for the employee a dedicated bandwidth and VPN services and security services as well that extends that enterprise environment into the home. This is completely new. Right? We've never had a reason to extend in a large capacity and, and, and a broad spectrum that enterprise environment and provide the security and the, the corporate responsibility in a residence. So there's been a lot of focus in how we can enable businesses to react appropriately to this, this type of situation. That's some incredible numbers you're, you put out there. The 285% increase in VoIP and video calls, not surprising in the least bit. Let me bring in Andy uh, Gomer from DISA because you guys have, are running a lot of DOD's networks. You guys are dealing with that increased need as well. What, what are some of the things you've seen during the pandemic? So uh, thanks, Jason. Uh, we, uh, we were lucky enough, I shouldn't say lucky enough, our director was, had enough foreshadowing to figure out, we had done these tests 
for everyone maximizing telework, everyone working from home uh, a couple of days at a time over a few month period before COVID even hit. So we had a couple of test cases where we actually all worked from home uh, a few times and it was very successful. Uh, so when we had to just stay at home for good and do maximized telework, we were pretty prepared. Uh, now some of the other agencies and services weren't as prepared as we were, but this did very well. As a result, we were able to work from home very efficiently. Uh, now what we did do is we were able to upgrade over 40 networks in just two weeks of COVID. Uh, not only did we actually upgrade these networks, but give more access to the internet access points for the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines, and all the agencies. We also had to upgrade our cloud access points and give people more data and more access and higher speeds uh, and squeeze all the bandwidth we had out of the current environment that we, we now exist in. So we're still upgrading those, but it's very tight. And we're managing to make it all work uh, with some of the sciences and some of the uh, networks that we have now. We also were involved in getting the, the ships up and running. We're the ones who got the uh, Mercy ship up. We're the ones who got the New Orleans Clinic up. We had, those are all Army uh, facilities and Navy facilities. We had to get those ships up. We had to get those, uh, uh, those Navy. We did it in one night. We actually put up an entire network in one night. So uh, it was very impressive and we moved very fast and we're able to keep up with the, the environment and keep up with the network and keep up with the bandwidth that was needed at that time. Uh, and as we move along, we should be able to continue this for as long as necessary to, to working with Colin and Jim to upgrade our bandwidth as needed and upgrade what we need to do so we can have everyone to uh, get the bandwidth they need and be able to use these IAPs and be able to use VPNs and get in safely and securely without having any latency. Andy brings up a couple of very interesting things, ability to be agile, to set up the network very quickly. Rodney, Jeff, jump in here as well. Uh, what are you guys seeing during the pandemic? Rodney, I imagine for the CIA, things are even more difficult because you work in such a classified environment. And Jeff, I would only imagine your environments probably has some, some sensitivity issues as well. So let, let me start with uh, Jeff. Right. So uh, thanks, Jason. Um, you know, I imagine much like Rodney, uh, the, uh, the reality is, is that the business of classified intelligence and, and work on uh, classified systems is largely a, uh, a business that envisions high walls and centralized locations. Uh, now, there are distributed capabilities, certainly. Uh, but for the most part, the bulk of the work is done uh, behind those high walls. Uh, so actually, we, we focused on agility in a slightly different way than uh, what Andy mentioned. Uh, for us, our agility was uh, thinking differently with respect to the business and the operating environment. Uh, rather than trying to distribute uh, a, uh, a classified compute, classified work capability that could be done at uh, local homes and residences and whatnot with all of the difficulties that that would entail. Um, we actually partnered with our mission elements and helped them rethink uh, the way they approached business, period. Right? So it became less a function of how do you access your classified intelligence and it became more how do you access alternative sources of information that allow you to uh, as effectively or almost as effectively uh, address the intelligence or information consuming needs of your customers. So, I mean, I think in, in that sense, it's important to understand that the provision of, in, uh, of services, uh, information services, the provisioning of networks and whatnot, is really a means to an end, right? We're here to enable business. Uh, but when the business environment changes, we need to be agile enough to change with that business model, right? To help the business model change to the new environment. So that was really a focus for us over the past handful of months. I think the agility piece is key. We hear that time and again, those agencies, and again, that, that survived or doing well during the pandemic had that agility built in. Rodney, jump in a little bit. Let's, let's talk about the CIA. You guys had a bigger challenge than maybe DISA and, and uh, uh, state in many ways. Jason, thank you. And, and much like uh, Jeff over at uh, State, I, I would say it this way. The CIA, uh, coronavirus presented CIA with unique opportunities to leverage new capabilities and think differently about our business model. As one of our leaders said, we have the opportunity to get back to better. 
An example of getting back to better was rethinking our software development models and not just developing software in a top secret or secret environment, but now developing software in an unclassified environment securely, allowing us to maintain delivery schedules for those products when our officers couldn't be in the building or were dispersed. And I think that's a good example of how we've had to evolve in response to the coronavirus. Hey, Jason, this is Jeff. Uh, actually, if I could just underscore what Rodney said there, I think that's absolutely critical. Uh, it's something that we did at the department as well. In fact, uh, during this past uh, six months, we've been focusing very heavily on a, an upgrade to our information provision, particularly our, our classified information provision services. Uh, making them more web-enabled, making them more mobile and whatnot. And we've really been able to do that with relatively modest uh, slippage in schedule because we've been able to do exactly what Rodney was suggesting, uh, doing some of the development work uh, securely but remotely in unclassified settings, uh, and then porting that, uh, that data in, ensuring that it's uh, the code in, ensuring that it's appropriately secure and what have you. I think um, I think what COVID has done really, particularly for the intelligence community, is forced us to think about how we do our business in some fairly substantially different ways. Yeah, and you know, from an uh, equipment perspective, I think the, the changes that have been driven into the network in terms of the need for agility, the need to have capacity that can be distributed around to different locations as the demand moves. I, I don't think we envisioned before COVID that there was going to be a wholesale move of bandwidth from enterprise type locations to residences, but yet, you know, it happened. So there's a, there's a, there's a number of design precepts or concepts, if you will, that uh, need to be built into networks and that we've been, you know, working to enable uh, as Sienna. Of course, we talk about capacity, but uh, the discussion of, about agility, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for having a network that's able to uh, adjust. We call it the adaptive network, but it's, it's really building in the controls so that when there is a substantial change in your network, usually it's because it was some kind of a failure or a, you know, geopolitical event that, that, that caused the networks to go down as opposed to you know, a virus. But, you know, again, you really just need to have the uh, adaptability and the capacity built into the network so that when something unexpected happens, uh, you can adjust and adapt to it. And, you know, really that's, those are the kinds of capabilities that we've been investing uh, in as a Siena and that you know, our, our carrier partners can take advantage of to provide those kind of services to the end user. Both Rodney and Jeff bring up very interesting uh, pieces. And I think, uh, Jim, you really built on it well when you talk about how that capacity builds in to adapt. Uh, and, and this kind of leads us down that, that path of the future capabilities and, and ensuring that the network can support those future capabilities. Again, AI, data analytics, better citizen services, et cetera, whatever they are. Give, give me a sense, and maybe Colin, you can start with this, is as you've seen agencies modernize their networks, uh, what are they asking for? Are they saying, give us more what, or all of the above? They want, they want anything you can give them in terms of tools that can ride on top of the network and, and ride well. Well, I think we hit this early on in, in this session, right? It, it's flexibility. Um, what agencies are asking for is flexibility, and it's a shift of where data lives. Data doesn't live in a data center anymore. I mean, certainly in a physical architecture, it is a data center, but from the end user and the application standpoint, the data is something that I reach out and grab. So I suddenly become, um, I suddenly become separated from my data warehousing, my data organization, and where my users are, are accessing from or, or where they need to access that data in a given environment. And agencies now are looking at us and saying, we understand how our day-to-day -day operations, our con-ops are, are established, and we've designed our network according to that. But now, given COVID and given a planning scenario for a, a similar type event, how do we enable our employees, how do we enable our enterprise architecture to be able to adapt and change how it accesses the data? So when we see network requirements coming in, a lot of it is give me bandwidth, certainly give me the capability and the capacity that I need in order to leverage the data that I need to use, but also 
what are some new ways that I can put into the network that enables me to access that data in different methods in a secure process that still follows my columns? I think Colin brings up an interesting point is, is that agility, the flexibility. And we're just gonna to jump to a quick break before we do that. Let me ask Jeff, as, as the State Department has, has kind of pushed through this pandemic, that agility, I mean, have you, have you guys become more agile in many ways? Have you, have you felt that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think um, what I was trying to get at a little bit earlier was there's been agility with respect to the, the actual conduct of business, right? So uh, INR is a, an all-source intelligence component, uh, much like CIA's uh, directorate of analysis, right? So uh, they're dealing with top secret information and we're trying to enable that. Well, the reality is, is that except with, uh, well, with very few exceptions, you can't do top secret intelligence analysis uh, in your home. Uh, and that's just kind of the, what we deal with, uh, at least in a, a scalable kind of way. We just can't do that. Uh, but so what we have had to do is then change the business model, right? You can inform decision making differently, right? Uh, and so we would rethink that model, we would rethink how we would go about supporting that. So I'd say there's a great deal of agility. It's uh, INR is small but mighty. I like that, small but mighty. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the panel discussion, Network Modernization for Federal Agencies, sponsored by Siena Government Solutions and Comcast Government Services on Federal News Network. Comcast Government Services provide the network foundation agencies need to run bandwidth-intensive applications, enabled by Siena Packet Optical Hardware. Having the nation's largest gig-speed network and facilities-based last-mile alternative to the phone company, the Comcast network operates across their private, diverse infrastructure to assist federal agencies with optimized their mission-critical data needs. Learn how Comcast and Sienna can help your agency at business.comcast.com slash fedgov. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Network Modernization for Federal Agencies, sponsored by Sienna Government Solutions and Comcast Government Services on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Jeff Fowler, the Chief Information Officer at the Bureau of Intelligence and Research at the Department of State, Rodney Alto, the Director of Global Infrastructure Office at the CIA, Andy Gomer, a highly qualified expert focused on transport with the Defense Information Systems Agency, Jim Westorp, the Chief Technologist at Siena Government Solutions, and Colin Gosnell, the Head of Solutions Engineering at Comcast Government Services. Now, before break, we were talking about the pandemic and the effect it's had on the network. And in many ways, the pandemic has opened the door for, for all of us to really rethink, okay, well, what's the future need to look like? What's the, what's the modernization or what's the long-term roadmap look like? Let me start with Rodney from the CIA. Again, as we talked about earlier, you guys have been on a, a really long-time journey for, you know, I, I said five or seven years. You, you went all the way back to 9-11, so that's where you're know, pushing 20 years now. But give me a sense of where you're heading now. What, what's, what's the next five to, to, to 10 years look like? Jason, thank you. And, and I'm going to focus on three areas for future needs at, at CIA and our network. Uh, and the first one of those is, is automation. And, and I will go back to 9-11. And, and in response to 9-11, CIA grew its IT capacity rapidly. Uh, and much of that growth was predicated on people doing certain functions. Today, we have to leverage new automation services to reduce our people footprint and accelerate our impact against mission with automated services that will quite frankly run 24-7 with both greater reliability and predictability. The future savings from automation will be the investment engine that allows us to reinvest into new IT capabilities that will position IT ahead of mission demand. The second topic for us in our focus area is, is AI. Today's modern networks and devices can generate terabytes of information daily on the health and security status of your network and your infrastructure. We need AI to analyze this data. We need it to drive operational efficiencies, anticipate the network and infrastructure failures, and highlight the needle in a haystack that could be that cyber challenge. And this all happens, has to happen in real time. Next for us is 5G, and there's an immense level of commercial innovation being developed around the 5G ecosystem. And CIA will look to leverage 5G's enhanced edge computing capabilities, faster networks, and potentially private secure 5G cellular networks in support of our overall intelligence mission. Those are the three topics, areas for us 
because we look forward uh, and we're putting a lot of focus into them. I'm not sure anyone would disagree with those three kind of priorities. I hear that often. Uh, let me bring in uh, uh, Andy from DISA as well. Andy, jump in. How is DISA looking at the future of the network? Well, first of all, I, I agree with Rodney. Um, I love working with the, that group as often as I can. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is, of course, 5G. We're putting 5G towers on a lot of these bases so we can support uh, that type of bandwidth on those uh, places we can't get to on those uh, runways, things like that, upgrading that speed and technology. Um, one of the other things we're doing is we're removing those old technologies. We're getting rid of the, the we have still have four, five, 6,000 circuits of, of TDM technology. That's all got to go. We've got to go to the one gig, the 10 gig. Um, Comcast just won some great, um, uh, one of our regions for the new environment we're putting in called commercial Ethernet gateway. The circuit prices were phenomenal. It can save tens of, of millions of dollars a month on our circuit costs alone and give us Oh God, five, 10, 15 times the bandwidth we're used to. Um, the other thing I'd like to do with our network is as we move to what Jim's talking about, that new 400 gig and getting that higher speed, that higher bandwidth on our network, I'd like to share our network and work better with Rodney, things like that. He's got things I need. He goes to places I don't go to. He's got access to places I need. And I think I have places that he needs to get to. I want to share more of my fiber, more of my network with him and vice versa. Same thing with Jeff. He goes to places I'm not at. I need to go to those places. And I think I have places that he needs to go to that I've got. We're making deals with also some of these commercial vendors to go overseas. We're actually looking at buying um, uh, pieces of fiber or access to fiber and big wavelengths to go overseas and to get to Australia, Japan, uh, Guam, things like that where we can get high-speed bandwidth at much less the cost that we're paying now. So um, uh, that's the future of where we're going, and I hope that, that, uh, that we could, you know, all, and plus cloud access. We have to get more bandwidth to the cloud. So it, it's going to be a great future, I think, and uh, because of the vendors we're working with, we're really going to, I think, make it. Colin, jump in here and, and, and offer a little, little quick feedback, because I think what Andy and what Rodney have talked to, and I'm sure Jeff will, will jump in as well eventually, but Colin, start with the, the move to 5G, the, the more, more, more. I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on people like you. It does. 5G represents a new access technology into a network from an overall architecture standpoint. It's similar to coax and fiber, and we had 4G before, and 4G was certainly implemented as sort of backhaul for a lot of different services. What we see with 5G is it's that last segment within, within the architecture, and we still need that network infrastructure in the background that can handle that traffic that's coming in. So we see it as a further uh, acceleration of demand into the overall network architecture. So we welcome 5G to come into the network. We, we certainly are working with it on, on other sides with uh, cell towers. 5G is driving uh, the demand for cell towers all over the country uh, to expand exponentially. And we're enabling those cell tower connectivity back into the core infrastructure. So certainly we are in support of the 5G expansion throughout the country. To the same extent, we can enable agencies to take advantage of that 5G by integrating those private 5G connections that Rodney had discussed into the existing infrastructure that those agencies have in place within the overall uh, topology of their architecture. So it's about, from a carrier standpoint, it's about integrating the new technology into the existing architecture rather than rip and replace and, and, and build new every time a new technology comes in. And that's a challenge that we deal with. And, and we have some great partners. Sienna being one of our primary partners that enables us to bring in the different technologies as they come in and integrate that in a consolidated architecture to those in-government clients. Jim, jump in as well, because I want to hear from your perspective. We heard from Colin, but now also from your perspective, as agencies are asking for more, as we are asking, as, as organizations want more, that, that puts a pressure on you, not just, the, not just Colin as the provider, but also Sienna as, as, as a partner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're responding in, in a couple of different ways. You know, we've talked about uh, capacity a lot. Uh, and 
one thing we hadn't mentioned is uh, actually there's a there's a there's a capacity revolution going on not just on the terrestrial side you know between cities and towns in the U.S. and overseas but but also in the undersea cables that go between the continents and so a lot of the same technologies that are being applied to terrestrial networks are also being applied to the undersea network so we're seeing dramatic increases in capacities between continents and it helps it helps geographic diversity uh, it, you know it helps being able to get to other data centers in, in larger locations so there's there's a fair bit of that going on um, I would also say that uh, it, you know it's kind of counterintuitive because Andy talked about wanting to get you know get rid of a lot of the uh, low-speed uh, TDM services, which absolutely are being evolved uh, out of the network. Um, even though we see less and less of the uh, you know Sonnet and SDH services in the metro and core of the network, um, especially on the mission side, and we also see this uh, you know in the critical infrastructure and power and water networks as well. There still is just because of the investment cycle, there's you know millions and millions of dollars of of older equipment that's out there that we can't afford. Well, you know the end users and, and the enterprises can't afford to re wholesale replace. And this stuff speaks Sonnet SDH um, low speed interfaces, and so you can't afford to get rid of it all at once or, or even over the next five or ten years um, but you want it to use converged you know cost-effective high-capacity infrastructure and so you need a way to be able to uh, to transition your network to still have the ability to speak some of those older protocols but carry it over uh, you know cost-efficient and effective uh, packet technologies and that's you know that's one of the capabilities that, that uh, Sienna brings to the market as well. Um, and then I guess you know, one, one last thing, since we talked a little bit about uh, AI and, and, and some of the things that are going on in the network, uh, we've really tried to make the network itself into a form of a sensor. So in order to support the automation that we're all talking about, there's a tremendous amount of information that the network has about um, you know, the, the traffic that's flowing over it, where it's going, um, the the statistics of that traffic, what the health of the network and even the end, end points is. And you can actually take this information and use it as part of you know, artificial intelligence engines and the various automation tools to really make your network, you know, yes, dynamic, but a whole lot more reliable and even more secure than it has been in the past. And so that's, that's another thing, using the, the network as a sensor to, to be able to, to feed the AI engines and do a much better job of of operating than it could in the past. And hey, that's Jason, you know, part of the future. Jason, this is Jeff. I wonder if I could just add in a, a little short quip if I, if I might. And I've been thinking about my colleagues both on the government side and private industry. And, and uh, frankly, government only works well when it works together. Uh, and, and that's just sort of the reality. I mean, Andy was talking a lot about uh, his capabilities and, and bandwidth and, uh, and whatnot. And he's right, I wanna use it. Uh, and need to if I'm going to be effective in providing services sort of corporately, not just for the enterprise that is the Department of State, but ultimately for the American people, right? So we have to work effectively together. Same thing with Rodney. There is a symbiotic relationship between CIA and uh, the Department of State, and we rely very heavily uh, on our uh, colleagues in the commercial sector to enable our capabilities that we just don't have uh, the bandwidth in-house. Uh, to really be able to provide. So I don't want to repeat what my colleagues Rodney and Andy said, um, other than to say what they said, but also for the department, it's uh, secure, mobile, and distributed. Those are the things that we're thinking about as we look to the future. And I make the distinction between mobile and distributed uh, as an important one. And for me, distributed really goes to the issue of we can't any longer afford to uh, 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 do our business in sort of centralized locations. Those locations can be denied to us. Uh, COVID is doing that right now. So we need to be able to do our work, not just to change our business model, as I talked about before, but actually to be able to conduct the business of classified uh, intelligence analysis in the case of INR uh, and to do it in a distributed fashion. The key among all of this, and, and, and this has been a, a tremendous conversation and, and uh, 
the key to all of this is how to deliver services in a secure but effective way. And I think one thing that we just don't want to get lost in, in, in this conversation is the network underpins that ability. So Andy, maybe I'll just give you the last word here. As DISA kind of serves more and more customers as you push it out to the edge, how do you quickly, how do you find that right balance between uh, security, mitigating risks, but also efficiencies, cost savings? How do you, how do you get all those balanced together? Well, um, thanks, Jason. The, the, the new technologies, zero trust is a great security and also a great way to do networking. Software-defined networking is, a, is built in securities that are better than what I even have. So these new technologies, I have to be able to move to them. I can only move to them if I upgrade my backbone, upgrade my network, and upgrade what I'm doing. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, all, all, it's a family thing that we have to do together. And as Jeff said, uh, Jeff, I'd love you to use my network. I would love for anybody to use my network. I want border protection on the backbone. I want to put FBI on the backbone. I want to put uh, DHS on the backbone. I mean, I have all this bandwidth. I'd love to have them use it at a very low cost. I mean, it, it, it's, it's great and secure. I have, I have security features in my backbone that I can discuss on this, on this line, of course, but it's built in and it's all, uh, all available to use. So I would love to have that uh, working in, uh, in that environment. And that's where the network needs to go. And I need the, uh, with Colin and Jim on my side, they just want some big biz with me. They're great. Uh, the bandwidth is coming and the cost is going down and things are going up. Uh, bands is going up. Reliability is going up. And I, I, that's where I want to be. All right. On that note, we're going to have to say thank you to our panelists. This has been a fascinating conversation. You've been listening to the panel discussion, Network Modernization for Federal Agencies, sponsored by Siena Government Solutions and Comcast Government Services on Federal News Network. Let me thank my guests. Jeff Fowler is the CIO of the Bureau of Intelligence and Research at the Department of State. Rodney Alto is the Director of the Global Infrastructure Office at the CIA. Andy Gomer is a highly qualified expert focused on transport the Defense Information Systems Agency. Jim Westorp is the Chief Technologist at Siena Government Solutions. And Colin Gosnell is the Head of Solution Engineering at Comcast Government Services. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. I'm Jason Miller. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Siena or Comcast. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Network Modernization for Federal Agencies, sponsored by Siena Government Solutions and Comcast Government Services on Federal News Network. Federal News Radio is now Federal News Network. All the intel you need, all in one place. Technology. Ask the CIO. Defense. On DOD. Pay and benefits, breaking news, and daily headlines. On air at 1500 a.m. Email alerts, ebooks, videos, webinars, and more at federalnewsnetwork.com.